Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. It is the college football kickoff preview on OutKick 360 with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton, Paul Kuharski back in Nashville. OutKick founder Clay Travis joins us at Old City Sports Bar ahead of Tennessee and Ball State tonight. Week one is officially here, and we can finally say football is back. Clay, good to see you, man. Yeah, I'm excited for uh, the start of college football season, you know, and there's a lot of good Thursday night football games going on, and uh, I'm pretty excited in general to see what year two with Hendon Hooker is going to be capable of. Uh, I think you look at what's going on with Pitt and West Virginia. That's an all-time rivalry game. Hasn't been played in a decade. Uh, and then, How is that possible? Uh, I, I mean, it's probably political as much as anything else. Um, you know, oftentimes these big rivalry games get canceled for political-related reasons. And then I think you got a good Big Ten game between Purdue and Penn State, which is two teams yeah. that theoretically uh, believe that they have, you know, momentum on their side. But it's a three-and-a-half-point game. Purdue, if they got the win, would be ecstatic, and same thing would happen for Penn State. Penn State has won over Purdue eight straight times. The last time they played was 2019, and both of them, Sean Clifford and Aiden O'Connell, feel like they've been college quarterbacks for like 10 years. I think they're both six-year seniors. Um, it's a fascinating matchup because, uh, to me, this is we should be seeing more from Penn State, right? Like. James Franklin, Nittany Lions. Yeah, I, I think Chad's big on Purdue he's, tonight. He's making a lot of money. Yeah, that's for sure. I think um, the the challenge has been first of all the COVID year. I think for a lot of teams, you just kind of throw in the dumpster, right? Like especially, well, especially in the, the Big, big Ten. Ten, yeah, because they weren't going to play, then they were going to play, then they had restrictions about what they could do. I mean, the Big Ten completely bungled COVID. Yeah, and so as you break down that year. And then last year, what, if I remember correctly, didn't Penn State get off to a super hot start? I think they were five and zero at one. And then they were five and zero lost at Iowa. And then they right? kind of the yeah. and, and then they fell apart from there. So I think um, you know there's uh, a lot of uncertainty about Sean Clifford, what he's going to be capable of, and how exactly that's all going to be shaking out is uh, is I think going to be super intriguing uh, to watch. And I, I just feel like there's really good optimism in general for everybody out there to be ready to roll and be excited. Clay, what's it like being on a show with two guys that know college football as opposed to every day you're on a show with someone who knows nothing about sports? I'm well, just I, curious if it's refreshing to talk to guys on air that know sports because typically when you're talking sports, it's just you talking sports without yeah. kick the show, Has Buck right? been to one, more than one game after last year's game? No, we're, you know, we're at Austin next week for the big noon kickoff, uh, which I'm optimistic about. I think that's going to be a really fun uh, environment in Austin. And uh, Buck's going to be there. Mm. So I took him last year to Ole Miss, Alabama. I mean, this is just kind of a weird dynamic. So I just came from doing uh, the Clay and Buck show, and then I'm going to go watch for like 45 minutes, and then I think I'm on as the lead on Tucker. 
So I'm going to have to duck out of the <laughs> Tennessee football game against Ball State to go do the open for Tucker Carlson show, wearing a T-shirt and, <laughs> uh, and hanging out there. And uh, that in and of itself is going to be uh, is going to be wacky. And then you think, you know, there's a lot of people who watch college football games. There'll be 100,000 people in Neyland, whatever it is. Uh, and, you know, 4 million people will be watching Tucker Carlson. So Tucker Give probably, a score update. Tucker probably will have more people watching him on Fox News than will watch any college football game tonight for the opening Thursday the, night. The star, How many people watching that show would know Tennessee's playing at that time? I think it, If they I, see I mean, you with a shirt, I'm just thinking, are people going to know, oh, he's, he's at the Tennessee Ball State game? Well, I mean, I told them that I'm going to be dropping, assuming that Tucker will, uh, will reference it. But last year, you know, I ducked out of the uh, Tennessee uh, Bowling Green game to do Hannity. But I went and had some, th- them buy a jacket and a, a button down for me. Uh, and this time, you know, I'm going to be uh, just sitting there in an orange Outkick T-shirt. We have no PAs. <laughs> like yeah. A year yeah. Ago. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the whole process, you know, I'm going to be on the road. I think I was looking at the, the calendar, basically. This is a crazy season, but you go all the way on the road, basically, between now and Christmas. Take a little break, and then Fox has got the Super Bowl. I mean, you think about what Fox has this fall. Fox has got the World Cup. Fox has the Super Bowl. Uh, Fox has the World Series. Uh, certainly the NFC on uh, on that program. And so you start to break down all of the different all the different craziness that they've got going on. And then you also toss in that we're going to have midterm elections. And this is going to be a pretty wild, I think, fall uh, all over the country. I mean, you've got the, for Fox, you've got possibly the most viewed weekend of sports in the history of sports television coming up. It's, it's U.S. and England on Friday, on Black Friday, yeah, in the World Cup. First, the Thursday uh, Cowboy Thanksgiving Day game. Thanksgiving then you go Day Friday game. with the World Cup, U.S. England. And then Saturday. Saturday's Michigan, Ohio State. That's right. And then Sunday is the NFL. But on Sunday's Fox. some huge NFL game. Yeah, it'll be a monster it's, it's, game. It's one so of the biggest of the year. It, it probably will be the most watched four days of sports mm. in years. And you talk about the difference of uh, you know college football, NFL, World Cup, and how many different moving parts are involved there. Uh, I'm excited. We just set the all-time record for readership at Outkick. Um, and, you know, we've been focused right now on getting the website. We've hired so many new people, um, and uh, Gary Schreier's doing a really good job with the website. So I think we're going to be firing on all cylinders for the website, and then next year uh, we're going to get the whole 12 hours of programming daily officially rolling. We get all the kinks worked out on the, on the video. But So there's just a lot of things to be, uh, to be excited about, I think. I mean, I think OutKick is – 60 employees or something now which is uh which is a lot when you think about a decade ago i was uh starting i mean you were with me i think yeah. in the uh in we were sharing, sharing a hotel room oh, in hoover in, yeah in hoover the old shared hotel the room shared, yeah yeah and, but, and we all want to get back to those days way, so quickly it wasn't like it was a really expensive oh, hotel no. room i mean that's probably a hundred dollar no. hotel it was room. a micro hotel i yeah. think uh and they put us you know in a, in a double uh, double uh, room there, <laughs> but that's when I launched Outkick in 2011. And and I remember going back a long time ago when I started writing online. I was like, man, I wish you know one day we could have a hundred uh, readers. I wish we could have a thousand readers. And we did just shy of 10 million unique readers at Outkick uh, on the website. And that doesn't count, uh, you know, sundry videos. I mean, Tommy is some of her Instagram videos. Oh, the numbers a, are crazy. Do a million views. Yeah. I mean, 
I, I just don't think uh, sometimes even people understand how monstrous that is to be able to put that thing together. So there's a lot of moving parts, but uh, I'm really excited for uh, to see what's going to happen in the fall. Well, and we're, I mean, we're now streaming live at Outkick.com for the first time this this past month, right? Yeah. yeah. You can, I mean, so. if, you're, if you're on the site, usually the second tab when you yep. go to Outkick uh, should always be uh, that uh, that dynamic. So, yeah, it's pretty great. We also had our first ever Democrat on OutKick today with Heath Schuler uh, on the show. So <laughs> I, I, don't I, even I know. joked, I, don't I said, even, yeah. he may be the first Democrat to appear on OutKick. So was he I a Democrat? Outkick. I didn't even remember that he was a Democrat oh, congressman. Yeah, he was, uh, he was a blue dog Democrat. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure he's still a Democrat. Um, yeah. But, uh, man, I... I know that. So when I was he in laughed, eighth, he laughed when yeah. I said you're the first one to come on. So. When I was in eighth grade, I went to Rivergate Mall in uh, Goodlettsville, Tennessee, to get Heath Schuler's autograph. So um, you know we're going to be in the in, with the Spire Group uh, at the game, and they're one of the NIL collectives that's raising money, and one of the best. Yeah, they've done a really good job, and. It's, it's just kind of wild to me. They brought Heath out um, to the house the first time I met those guys. And if you had told me when I was in eighth grade, that, <laughs> you know, as a kid growing up watching Heath Schuler, who was one of the best college football quarterbacks ever uh, in terms of – and he was kind of ahead of the curve, you know, in terms of his ability to use his legs and also have a cannon for an arm. He was just a freak athlete. And I still wonder what would have been capable for him if he had come back for his senior year. But – he was a high – what, he could have been second in the Heisman Trophy voting, second, yeah. I think, that year. Charlie Ward. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, obviously, Charlie Ward was a freakish player, too. That was a fun era of college football. But if he had come back for his senior year, and I do think Charlie Ward came back for his senior year, if I remember correctly, back in the uh, back in the early 90s, my knowledge. 93. Um, and uh, he would have been one I, – I mean, he's iconic already. And his son is a walk-on, basically, on the team now. I think he wears number 21 yep. as well. Um, but it would have been uh, it would have been really cool, I think, uh, if he had been able to come back for his senior year. Because if you remember that next year, Jerry Colquitt was supposed to take over, tore his ACL first series basically against UCLA, and that's when Peyton, Peyton. Manning came in. It's and that era great started. you mentioned Jerry Colquitt because he said he was coming on Outkick 360, and Jerry Colquitt, his former backup and roommate, said that's my favorite show. Yeah, I was excited that Heath was coming on his favorite show. So Jerry Colquitt Thank is you, a big Outkick <laughs> fan. How about that? I asked him. So I asked him about leaving early for the draft. Yeah. By the way, if you missed the interview, uh, download the audio wherever you uh, get, get your podcast. Um, two reasons why he went early. Number one, his parents were going to have to take out a second mortgage in order to pay the two million dollar policy on an injury. Yep. Policy for him. And number two. He did not want to play for the expansion franchises that were coming in Carolina and Jackson. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so he ends up in Washington. And right, and then they had terrible. to go Gus Farratt head-to-head. Yeah. And, they were yeah. also a year removed from winning the Super Bowl. When he yep. went to the Washington. In 92, they won yep. the Super Bowl, right? And then the next year, they were bad, and then they drafted third and got – Yeah, the Redskins sure. have kind of – well, the whatever they are now, the Washington – what are they? Commanders. Commanders. They've fallen apart um, really since the early 90s and haven't been able to kind of have that sustained quarterback play of, uh, of excellence. So, uh, But it was – I mean, you, you, when you're a kid growing up, to have Heath Shuler in your house um, is yeah. something that you certainly wouldn't anticipate. And I think a lot of times – uh, you just have to kind of pinch yourself that you get to go around to uh, to all these fabulous games and get to watch them in person. It's it's really pretty extraordinary. Which game intrigues you the most over the opening weekend? There's I several think good matchups. I think it's Utah Florida. Yeah, I agree. Because Kyle Whittingham's got a heck of a team. They're they're the best team in the Pac-12. 
And as you break down what's likely to happen in that game, two-and-a-half-point spread, uh, you've got Anthony Richardson, who I think has elite first-round talent at the quarterback position. I mean, he's, he's a dual playmaker. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's got to be more consistent, got to be more accurate. Uh, and we'll see what he's capable of with Billy Napier. I wondered, candidly, how he never was able to be the guy because I think he had a different level. Yeah. He had a different level than what and, – and, by the way, the fact that Dan Mullen got fired. I mean, if you had made that prediction in September of last year, remember Florida took Bama to the wire One of the games oh, yeah. of the year. down in Gainesville. And the idea that you would go and fall apart like they did and that Dan Mullen would be on with – I think I saw him on with Dan Dakich this morning uh, doing the uh, doing the Dakich show. That, a year later. Yeah, Dan yeah. Dakich just loves Florida football coaches <laughs> yeah. between Urban Meyer and Dan Mullen. That, that, you, that you would end up in a situation where uh, we don't know what Billy Napier is going to be capable of, but I was just out in Utah – and they're fired up. I mean, this is as big of an opening game as they can ever imagine. They're good. But they were talking how much about they were nervous about the weather because it's been hot in Utah, oh, yeah. but it hasn't been now. They're getting to play at night, Saturday night, so it's not like you're there That's in the middle break. part of the sun. Uh, but I, I think there's a lot of uncertainty on both sides there. I picked Florida to win, uh, but I also think Utah is a legitimate contender to be in the playoff this year. Because to me, I'm not bought into Clemson. Like, I don't believe that DJ, DJ Ugalele, I'm probably still mangling his uh, pronunciation there. Uagalele? Yeah. Uangalele. Right? I think we, that we've might be right. This, it's much, like, he's much closer it's like than. It's like Tua of Iloa. I think it's Uangalele is how I you think, pronounce it. I think it. that's right. So, I believe. It's one I have not mastered. Look, Clemson <laughs> is losing their offensive and defensive coordinator. There's some questions out there about, hey, how much of the Clemson program success was a function of getting Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson back-to-back? Elite, top-10 caliber quarterbacks. And now you lose your coordinators. They're on the road against Georgia Tech, 22-and-a-half-point favorite. I think that's going to be a game uh, that is worth paying attention to. Georgia Tech in the fourth year of a coach who has not done very much so far, that's the kind of game where you need to have oh, a you're, performance. you're saying watch out for that game? I just think that Georgia Tech's going to cover. Okay, and I'm not okay. convinced. Like, when you break it down, we know Georgia and Alabama are incredibly elite. We know Ohio State, I think, is elite. I think you would have to put those three teams on kind of a different caliber than anybody yeah. else right now. And then who is that sort of sneaky fourth team that could rise their way up? To me, Utah is maybe that team that, uh, that has a little, bit of a, uh, a little bit of a chance given the consistency that Whittingham has shown there. Well, in talking about that Utah-Florida game, another thing that intrigues me about it is it's not a neutral site game. I like the fact that it's played on a campus. Yeah, well, Florida – Utah for, at Florida is much better because it's not being played in Jerry's world. For a long time, Florida would not travel outside of the South for any game. Now – to be fair to them, they play Florida State every year. They play eight SEC games. I think, so, I think they only play in three states total this year. Yeah. Florida, Tennessee, and Kentucky, I think. They play at Kentucky? No, they host Hang Kentucky. Hang on, I've got this. They host Kentucky they this don't, year. Uh, but in general, they want those three home games otherwise, but they're starting to add that additional challenge. And I'm sure you guys saw the news that came out late last night, but the possibility of a 12-team playoff getting implemented yep. sooner rather than later. In like two weeks. But potentially by tomorrow, I oh, think they tomorrow, said. Yeah. They could oh, yeah, by it. Friday, yeah. Uh, and so you added that as a big-time seismic shift in college football. And then certainly we await to see what the fallout's going to be of SC, UCLA to the Big Ten 
Um, all these things, I think, are, uh, are, are pretty intriguing to, uh, to follow. So they play in three – Florida will play football in three states, Florida, Tennessee, and Texas. Those are their three states. So they play at A&M this year? Uh, yes. Yeah, I, look, I, I think that um, Billy Napier is going to do pretty well, and he's starting to recruit solidly. But I think you've got to get Florida now. So Tennessee obviously opens with Ball State. Next week, huge game against Pitt. And then win that one, and you're 3-0 and with Florida coming to town. And I think Knoxville will be as electric for that game as it has been oh. in a very, very long time. And then time. Florida has Utah and Kentucky before they even come here. Yeah. So yeah. Florida will be more tested. Um, obviously, Pitt plays today against West Virginia in what I like West Virginia plus a 7.5 in that game. But I think you start to break all of, uh, all of these Thursday night games. Everybody's excited uh, to see – exactly what they got hit us up on twitter at outkick 360 coming up we have five big questions to get us ready for the sec season going into the schedules that kick off tonight clay sticks around for another big discussion we'll go through all of the bets that he's made he's already released them at outkick.com and we'll dive into why he feels like he's taking purdue uh, or uh, Arkansas, I think you have them covering Cincinnati. We'll go a layer yeah. or two deeper here on Clay's bets, and we'll compare them to Withrow's parlay. I already know one. There's a big difference already. Total opposite. Okay. <laughs> well, that's the preview for, of it. It's going to be the total opposite. Clay's going 11-0. and 0. Uh, We preview the SEC slate next on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's the college football kickoff special on OutKick 360. Clay Travis with us. Glad you're with us as well across the OutKick network, uh, either watching or listening uh, across the uh, great radio partners that we have in six states. DraftKings.com and the DraftKings app is where you can go to take advantage of what we're going to get into with Clay a, a bit later this segment on some great picks tonight. Bet $5, get $200 instantly for all new DraftKings users. You've got to be 21 years or older, and this is for first-time DraftKings Sportsbook customers only. Make a deposit of at least 5 bucks in your Sportsbook account, then place a wager of at least $5 on NFL or college football games between tonight and week two of the NFL season on September 19th. And by doing that, you will receive $200 instantly in your DraftKings account, in addition to any winnings from your original wager once it once it settles um sec we've got missouri and tennessee tonight and then we get into the heart of everything on saturday Let, let's start clay with our, our, our look at the sec this season at texas a&m you mentioned earlier clemson utah that fourth team yeah while i think it's unlikely we see three teams from the sec in the college football playoff a&m has reached a point where it is a bit of put up or shut up time right yeah is Jimbo Fisher going to back up the talk this year now that Haynes King is back he's healthy he's won the job 
They've had all this buzz about recruiting. What are you expecting in College Station? Well, I think you have to assess every team in the SEC West to kind of figure out where exactly Texas A&M fits in. Alabama is going to be elite. I don't think Auburn's going to be very good. LSU is going to be in the first year of Brian Kelly. I think it's unlikely that they are going to be spectacular. Um, I think Arkansas is going to be really good. I think Ole Miss will take a step back. Mississippi State may be a little bit better than Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss' schedule's easy, though. That's the thing. I agree with you. It starts out tough, though, with Cincinnati at home. That's a challenge. Arkansas, yeah. The – Ole Miss's schedule is extremely beneficial for Lane and all the turnover that he's had. Well, I think the SEC West is going to be down a little bit, kind of, is is my assessment. Okay. I think Alabama is going to be head and shoulders the best team in the SEC West. Not that LSU most years, I know that obviously the, the Joe Burrow year, they were incredible, but they haven't necessarily been able to run with Alabama at a high level. I certainly don't think they're going to be able to do it this year. I think Auburn is going to be very mediocre. Um, and so I think Arkansas and A&M, whoever wins that early season Arkansas A&M game, which Arkansas had so much difficulty winning, they won it last year because yep. Arkansas beat Texas and Texas A&M, which a lot of Arkansas people are still thumping their chests about. And we'll get an early read on Arkansas with Cincinnati coming to town. I like Arkansas to cover that game. You know that you're going to be pretty good on the offensive side of the ball, notwithstanding that you're losing Traylon Burks. Uh, I really like their offensive and defensive coordinators at uh, at Arkansas. Barry Odom is really good on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and uh, certainly Kendall Bryles has, you know, Miami came after him with everything they've got. He's a super young, talented guy uh, that comes out of the Baylor system. Obviously, he's R. Bryles' dad. And so I think Arkansas is going to be able to score. I think they'll be better defensively. So I think the second-best team in the West is either going to be Arkansas or A&M. And there's a stretch for A&M right around October, I think. Miami, Arkansas, Mississippi State. Now, I may have Mississippi, uh, MSU and Arkansas flip-flop there. But that, that stretch determines what the heat level is on Jimbo Fisher because Aggieland is expecting – I mean, they're paying him – top dollar to it's start also to win. weird with Jimbo Fisher because he's an offensive guy former quarterback coach offensive coordinator he's not really found the quarterback at A&M maybe it's Haynes King Kellen Mond had a good season yeah but yeah. that's the weird part about it is with all the recruiting wins they've had and well, everything and going was, on there they can't bring in the quarterback that was Jimbo's calling card yeah was that he was a great coach of quarterbacks and that was what he had success with at Florida State so the fact that he's gotten to Texas A&M, and I know they pulled off. We were down there. The monster win over Alabama last year, which was a monstrously validating program directional win, but it still didn't translate into a legitimate run at the SEC West title. And, uh, you know, if you start to break all this down, I just think that game, I believe it's in Dallas, uh, unless they I, – I know they've talked about doing away with the, uh, the neutral site game. Uh, but usually it's in Jerry World that has been so far since A&M joined. And I, I think that whoever wins that game between A&M and uh, Arkansas will be the second-best team in the West. Question number two. Tell me if you guys agree with this. Florida is the new Tennessee, a program that's known for winning national championships or has won one recently in our you know era, but yet has been struggling to get back to that type of class. Billy Napier kicking things off and trying to. I, I don't. I mean, look, they've been in the SEC championship game a bunch. Well, they Tennessee, were there a year ago with Dan Mullen. <laughs> yeah, 
Tennessee, I mean, they're not Tennessee even close hasn't to Tennessee been territory. in the SEC championship game I, since 07, which is when Withrow and I met. Well, so uh, SEC championship. And we're old versus, now, and we've we've had yeah. an old friendship. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, the, the comparison is, I don't hear you know, oh uh, man, ten wins for the first time since 2007. I hear 98. But here's that's the, the bar. Here's the difference. So, T- Tennessee fans. Here's why I no, they're not. They're not going in Tennessee territory. Okay. Tennessee fans will be thrilled with eight wins this year, okay, because of where they've been. Florida fans, if they win eight, they'd be asking, why, why do you not win ten and beat Georgia and win the division? And a year from now, the expectation for Napier is win the division. That's the expectations well, of Florida. They could be and one and three in October. Changing. Yeah, look, I, I think for Tennessee, uh, Pittsburgh is a gravy game. And what I mean by that is – even if you beat Pittsburgh, if you come back home and lose to Florida, yeah. a lot of people are going to be very upset because what Tennessee has to be able to do, Tennessee gets judged by Tennessee fans on Florida, Georgia, Alabama. Alabama, the games by and large have not been close for 15 years. Uh, Georgia, they've actually had some success, relatively speaking, not great success. Success relative to Georgia's overall success Tennessee's had. You're right. And then Florida has been an unmitigated disaster. And Tennessee's lost to a lot of bad Florida teams. They found a way to lose. To, to teams that are not good. Yep. And so for a lot of people, I think what's going to go on is, what, regardless of what happens in Pittsburgh, the Florida game is going. And I would say the same thing about Florida with Utah. That's great. You beat Utah. It's a good debut for Billy Napier. But ultimately, Florida is going to want to beat Kentucky and Tennessee. Right? So if they don't beat Kentucky and Tennessee – there's going to be a lot of nervousness. You're right. They could start one and three. I mean, it's not an easy out-of-the-gate scenario. I just have seen Tennessee choke so many times. Me too. So many times against mediocre Florida Gator teams that I find it hard to believe that they're just going to come out and put it on Florida and whip them like they should. Well, I think the big difference is the expectation level of Florida fans has yet to change. Tennessee fans have had to readjust their expectations around the program. Well, now, if Georgia continues on this pace, they're going to have to readjust their expectations and hope for second in the SEC, just like what Tennessee Tennessee's and Kentucky are vying for, for this Where year. Where I think you can analogize things is Florida has swung and missed a bunch on football hires, right? So Ron, and Mullen was a layup. We that all you thought, thought that. Ron, right? I mean, Ron Zook replacing Spurrier was yeah. a mess, okay? They go get Urban Meyer. He solves everything. But then Will Muschamp comes in, and he was the most – I mean, he's a coach in waiting at Texas. Everybody in the country wanted Will Muschamp. He comes in, doesn't get it done. All right, well, you're sitting around. You're trying to figure out what the solution is. And you had that incredible sort of dynamic where Scott Frost, uh, Dan Mullen was going to be Tennessee's coach until all of a sudden Chip Kelly decides – to go out to UCLA, and Florida really felt like they were going to get Chip Kelly. And so if they had gotten Chip Kelly, then Dan Mullen would have been here, and it would have been intriguing to see what Dan Mullen did here. And again, up until October of last year, people were like, hey, Dan Mullen's done a pretty good job at Florida. Yeah. You know what's crazy about that old scenario? Florida reached out to Scott Frost initially That's for right. that job yeah. before Dan Mullen. Scott Frost would have been better off staying at UCF yeah, in was, hindsight. Mullen was their third choice, but that's what set off the UT 
Greg Schiano implosion yep. was Dan Mullen was all set to be here until Florida whiffed on Chip Kelly and Scott Frost. Dan Mullen was a safety net for Tennessee yeah. until that happened. And then uh, the Scott Strickland, the AD at Florida, knew obviously Dan Mullen very well from Mississippi State and thought this is the ultimate safety valve. Now, Mike White appears to have done the same thing with Josh Heupel, right? He went out and tried to find a replacement. Uh, and then and, went with what he knew. Yeah, for Jeremy Pruitt and went with a guy that he felt very confident about. Now, I would say that Heupel exceeded expectations in year one. Certainly, Hendon Hooker came out of nowhere to throw over 30 touchdown passes and only three picks. Nobody saw that happening. So I'm curious to see how much growth there will be with Hendon Hooker. Because is this a third question? What's going to happen in the East? Well, um, the third question is more about Heupel because I think in the same context. It's a perfect segue, actually. Is, yeah. is Heupel the real deal? And I think in the same manner that we're looking at Florida's September, He's got Pitt and Florida, and that, to me, signals where we are with Josh Heupel in the air at Tennessee. Yeah, look, Tennessee could very easily, in fact, probably will be favored to be 4-0. Uh, that would be an incredible out-of-the-gate start because yep. then you go to LSU, if I'm not mistaken. You don't really know what to expect at LSU. That's a winnable game. There is, you know, in the my kids watch the Marvel movies all the time, right? There's a multiverse where Tennessee is 5-0 and with Alabama coming to town on <laughs> October 15th. And I talked about how... Knoxville will burn yeah. when that happens. I talked <laughs> Either about, way. Yes. I talked about how big uh, the game against Florida would be at 3-0. and But if you had Alabama coming to town with Tennessee 5-0, and even with Tennessee 4-1, and that's going to be a monstrous game. And... Uh, given that Tennessee feels like they can score points. I'm not nervous about Josh Heupel on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. I question whether Tennessee is going to be able to get necessary defensive stops and whether they're much better defensively. The defensive performance against Purdue was one of the worst defensive performances that I have ever seen in a bowl game in my life. When you look at how many people Purdue had out, credit to Purdue, um, but there's no way they, whatever they hung, they, what did they score, 50? 48-45 was All the right. final. So there's no way that team, and Tennessee, I believe, was up 21-7 in that game, right? Yeah. And then fell apart. And, uh, and I know it was a controversial ending. It's a little bit ref-aided, but, yeah, their defense was bad. Really But bad. also it's an offensive system that just hangs the defense out to dry. Yeah, well, it's I think, part of the It's part of the product, right? Well, that's where Oregon got smart in the way that they would recruit is you got to have twos and threes who can play because you're just playing so many snaps. And if you're only possessing the ball for 14 minutes in a game, 46 minutes on the other team is going to lean on you. And which is why, on some level, I don't understand why they just don't go the same style on defense. Extremely high risk, high reward. Just try to get turnovers. Just blitz. Get your defense either off the field really fast because you gave up a big play, or get your defense off the field really fast because you were able to get a turnover and play that kind of high-stakes ball where it's a lot more like a basketball game uh, effectively than it is a uh, than it is a traditional football game. For the sake of time, just give me your both initial reaction. So we're talking 4-0 start. If they go 2-2, two and two, what's the reaction to Josh Heupel in year two? You start to look down the rest of the schedule and see where they can get to a bowl game at that point, and it's going to get real nerve-wracking. Yeah, it sounds repetitive. For, yeah. for Tennessee fans, I think 
I'm with Clay on this. The offense is fine. You know what you got with oh, Josh Heupel's yeah. offense. It's great. I mean, it's it's going to be about recruiting, and it's going to be about can they play a defense that forces turnovers. I think they recovered only three fumbles a year ago, and they had 13 picks. They need a lot more than that. Like just, they, got, they have to be opportunistic I, I mean, and create I would, turnovers. I think just get stops. Can they get three more stops a game and get the ball back? You know, in, in many cases for that defense last year, if they just force a punt – that's a turnover. Yeah, yeah. Right? I think they need Same to be. Effect. They need to be three and one. You got to win either Pittsburgh or Florida. And the truth of the matter is, there'll be a lot of pressure on that Florida game if they're sitting at two and one. But if Tennessee were to beat Florida, that would be like a seven win. You know, uh, yes. almost just a such a monstrous monkey off the back kind of situation for Josh Heupel to beat one of the big three. And in year two, in year two, it, it would it would make a season. For a lot and of I think it, I think it would also Tennessee's got pretty good momentum recruiting. Yeah, I think if they could get out and get a little bit of hype, right, get that win against Florida, beat Pitt. You know, if you're four and zero going to LSU, that's a big game. And then regardless of what you do at LSU, you're four and one coming back against Alabama. Those are big signature. Everybody notices the games. Uh, to me, that is uh, that's the play that makes a lot of sense. Um, Fourth question, does Brian Harson survive the season at Auburn? Well, it's certainly ominous that they fired uh, Alan Green, the, uh, uh, the AD there. You never want to be the guy who gets fired, uh, who has the AD who hired you get fired, right? Um, because you're usually going to be protected by whoever hires you. And that, to me, seems like a, uh, a potentially danger zone for him. Now... The other thing is there's so much money out there uh, that whatever the buyouts are, they typically don't look that substantial. It drops, though, around a certain time frame of the season, I think, for Depends Harson. On, I'm not sure when the Harson. I know for Scott Frost, October 1st, it goes from 15 to 7.5. Okay. Um, if I'm not mistaken. So, look, that $7.5 million can make a big difference. Yeah. And so uh, – I think they know he's gone, though, either way. Right? Well, he so doesn't seem happy. You don't it doesn't want him coaching like Alabama. Well, if he does well, he'll bolt for an available job. And if he doesn't, he's going to get fired. I mean, I it's, think, it's that simple. I think somebody's going to go after Urban Meyer. Okay. Like, it wouldn't shock me if Nebraska goes after Urban Meyer. It wouldn't shock me if Auburn went after Urban Meyer. Um, I think somebody will kind of break the glass and be so desperate, especially Nebraska, because, I mean, they basically got their savior – it would be like if Peyton Manning came to Tennessee and then yeah. went, you know, four and they eight. They got their fair, fair-haired golden boy, and it didn't work out. And if it doesn't work out there, like, who is it ever going to work out for? I feel bad for that, that fan base. Uh, uh, finally, aside from Auburn, is there a job or jobs you feel like will be open in the SEC come December? Well, that's kind of hard, right? I mean, a lot of these guys are relatively in new places. First, second, third Something's year. Something's going on in Kentucky with Mark Stoops. So I like where you're going I here. I could see him deciding to leave because of the feuding with John Calipari and what he perceives as a lack of respect yep. for historically an incredible job at Kentucky. But the, the university's giving him the respect. It's Cal that's not. I get it. Right? I could just see him. Look, right now I would say Tennessee, Florida, and, um, and Georgia are all moving in the right direction. I think South Carolina is too. I'm uncertain about Missouri. I have no real idea about Vanderbilt. But LSU, first-year coach. Yeah, in the East, yeah. to me, you look, and 
hey, we may be doing away with division soon and breaking down east versus west may not matter. But I always think you have to figure out where you rank in your division as a first position. And I feel like Kentucky has peaked, and he may see an opportunity that's out there. FSU may open up. Uh, they're not yep. happy with Mike Norvell. We just mentioned Nebraska may well, uh, may well be opening up. There are so many different directions that things could go uh, that I could see Kentucky uh, kind of making an intriguing move there. All right, let's go to uh, Clay Travis's locks at outkick.com. Ohio State over Notre Dame. You're, you're seeing the Buckeyes cover, right? Uh, well, I'm not, I have not even bet that game yet because um, the line's all the way up to 17 or 17 and a half, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's clearly the biggest brand game. I'm not sure that Notre Dame is ready this year to go toe-to-toe with Ohio State. So, but yeah. 17 is such a big number. I'm waiting to see where that one's going to go. You're taking Florida over Utah. I took Florida plus the points. Okay. West Virginia to cover. I like West Virginia plus Chad, seven and a half. Pitt? Totally opposite. I think Pitt kills them. I think it's a two-score Pitt win tonight. What is the – is it 36 and a half tonight for Tennessee Ball State? It was 35. I was just about I, I to pull up the latest. I got it 36 and a half. Yeah. Okay. It was 35 earlier in the week, so it's continued to tick out. You would take the you would take Tennessee to cover? Yeah, I took Tennessee at 35. Um, I think I'd take them at 36 and the and over? Half, and I took the over. Purdue uh, plus the points. Purdue plus three and a half at home against Penn State. I also took the over in that one. Um, Arkansas? Did you take Arkansas? I like Arkansas minus the six and a half against Cincinnati. And um, I don't know how you picked – uh, Florida State LSU, but what are you doing? Monday? I took uh, I took Florida State plus the points against LSU, uh, three and a half. Florida State played a game. I know it was against Duquesne, I believe, not yep. exactly a uh, class uh, opponent, <laughs> but I like the idea that they've played. Yeah. And when you factor in Brian Kelly, uh, Mr. Southern gentleman extraordinaire, uh, when you factor in his first game. Uh, I like the idea of Mike Norvell and FSU being a little bit more My prepared. mom always made me great yeah. sweet tea. He sounds either like, like <laughs> I love these Louisiana nights. Family. My, he, he me sounds, and my family love either, this cornbread. He sounds either like, uh, either like Nicolas Cage from Con Air uh, or uh, Forrest Gump. Um, I've been holding back a sneeze for the last 20 minutes. Uh, Clemson, you say watch out for that. You say Georgia Tech. I like Georgia Tech plus a 22 and a half. Um, Clay, thank you. Yep. Should I take us to break? <laughs> yeah, go stay? ahead. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm about to say. Uh, we're we're going to come back. We're going to give our picks for tonight and preview the upcoming slate and what we're doing tomorrow back in Nashville. And we're about to go meet Clay over at Neyland. So, yeah, uh, it's going to be all fun. that yeah. to come. And you can see me on Tucker Carlson tonight, theoretically. So wearing this shirt. We're wearing a T-shirt. Yeah, it should be fun. Back with more on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
Old City Sports Bar. It's been a great host for us today and every time we're here in Knoxville with Spire Sports Group and uh, the great partners we have here in Knoxville. We, we appreciate all of that and everyone watching today on the college football kickoff preview for Outkick 360. It continues tomorrow as we go into the weekend slate of games. Tonight, Chad, Oklahoma State, Central Michigan kicks off at 7 o'clock Eastern. Let me start with this, though, about Old City Sports Bar. Yeah. Oh, so sorry. Yeah. a lot of the crowd here uh, headed to the game right now. Earlier, uh, big thanks to Spire Sports Group. Had the, some of the Lady Vols out here, uh, some other athletes on campus. Golf. Took a huge picture that I, I posted on my Twitter account. A young lady for the Lady Vols uh, decided to stand right in front of me and was <laughs> my height. And uh, I said, are you trying to big-time me here? And she said no. So she stood aside. Put her arms around each other. The two Lady Vol teammates did the uh, the kneel in front of everyone else. Uh, it's a really good picture. But in all seriousness, thanks to Spire Sports. Uh, thanks to Old City yes. Sports Bar. Thanks to Aaron, the owner. Thanks to Malia, who does a great job here as the manager yes. at Old City Sports Bar. Every time we've been here, great spot. Um, it's a, we're we're going to be heading from here to Neyland Stadium, Hutton, but this is a great launching point to Neyland. It's a trampoline. Yes. It's a bounce. It's a launch, as you said. Uh, tomorrow we are back in Nashville at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. We'll be outside uh, having a, a, a tailgate-like atmosphere going into the Saturday slate of games. Tonight, though, we have the Backyard Brawl, Pitt in West Virginia, the Pitt Panthers, favored by six and a half last I checked at DraftKings. It's a 127-year-old rivalry, and they play for the first time in 11 years. With Slovis compared to Pickett, Pickett rushed for about 400 yards on scrambles last year. What would you guess Slovis rushed for at USC? Uh, 125. A- according to my iPhone without internet this morning. Yep. Eight for 54. Wow. Eight for 54. That is a drastic change in style, although the production could be a, a very similar based on the wide receiver play that they have. You want to give me – Even give though you, Jordan Addison's gone. Let me give you the biggest reason I'm worried about Pitt. I, pick, I, I bet Pitt to cover I, – I had it seven and a half. I'm worried about the loss of Mark Whipple as offensive coordinator. I think he was a huge part in Kenny Pickett's success – in Jordan Addison's success. They're talented guys, but he had a big hand in that. He went to Nebraska. I'm curious what happens with Pitt now with a new offensive yeah. coordinator. That's a big factor in this game tonight. Jordan Addison, one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver in the country now at USC. He had 33 plays of 20 yards or more last year. That led the country. The three returning wide receivers for Pitt had a com- combination of 29. So it's a, It's a huge difference. Here's... You know what it comes down to, Hutton? What I believe in and what I don't believe in? I believe in what I saw from Keaton Slovis. Yeah. I don't believe in JT Daniels. I don't believe in what I saw at USC. I don't believe in what I saw at Georgia, given what we saw from Stetson Bennett when he took over. I think Slovis gets it done. I love Kalijah Clancy coming back for Pitt. I like Jared Wayne's a really good big receiver, you know, behind Jordan Addison, number two receiver a year ago. He's the number one receiver now. I think, all told, Pitt's got a lot more coming back than people realize. Penn State, Purdue. All five starting offensive linemen, too, by the way, for Pitt coming back. Penn State, Purdue. Let's transition to Sean Clifford uh, against Aiden O'Connell. Two sixth-year quarterbacks. And 
Penn State has won this matchup eight straight times. Mentioned earlier, first time since 2019 they played tonight. Uh, you like Purdue in this matchup. I do. I, I like Aiden O'Connell over Sean Clifford. I, first off, I think he's just a better quarterback. Jeff Brom at home has been really good. I think that Purdue's going to be more creative. What concerns me about this game is Penn State is better on defense. Purdue can't run the football. So when you get one-dimensional, I think that could lead to some problems for Purdue in this game. But I like the offensive ingenuity of Jeff Brom, Aiden O'Connell coming back. I think Purdue wins a very close game. I think Penn State's got more talent, and they've got the better defense. But I've got a hunch that that Purdue's going to figure out a way to get it done at home. I want to see what uh, Charlie Jones does as the transfer now at Purdue. He's joining uh, uh, Payne Durham, who's back at the, the wide receiver spot. Of course, O'Connell's a solid quarterback. Yeah, Payne Durham's a great tight end for Purdue, a big-time pass-catching option. They can uh, – they'll, they'll throw the football. They can put up points. This should be a, a really good game tonight. Kicks off at 7 o'clock. We are back in Nashville tomorrow at 6th and Peabody. We'll be recapping the games tonight, but also looking forward to the national slate. Week one is here. Enjoy it. Enjoy the, uh, the college we, we football made kickoff. And, Look, yeah. this is a celebration. We made no it. College football is here. We're going to have the NFL next weekend. It's all right here. It's upon us. We have entered Knoxville. You have entered the college football season, and that's all that matters. Huge thanks to Heath Schuler for joining us today. Uh, Brad Lampley, who joined us on site here at Old City Sports Bar. Trey Wallace, who swung by before heading to Neyland for his SEC coverage at Outkick.com. Paul and Blake Bettingfield with a great conversation. And if you miss, you can go back wherever you download your audio for your podcast. Just search Outkick 360. Clay Travis, who is waiting on us out front. As soon as we wrap, we're headed to college football. We're headed to Neyland. Here we go. It's time. Let's bang some hats. Back at it tomorrow at 6th and Peabody for Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.